In Acts chapter 19, the Apostle Paul is at Ephesus. It is a city of spiritual darkness and evil. There was the temple of the goddess Diana, one of the seven wonders of the world at that time. And there were silversmiths who made images of the goddess and sold them for a lot of money. And there was a great trade in these images. It was also a stronghold of demon possession as well, as we read in our passage. And so the devil was prevalent there. And it was also a place where there was a Jewish population with their synagogue of proud, self-righteous people. So it was a potent mixture of these things, idol worship, devil worship, and carnal Judaism. Truly, as it says in the book of Revelation, where Satan's seat is. And it reminds us that the devil does not mind what people follow as long as it is not the gospel of Christ. You can have anything else. You can have idolatry. You can have devil worship. You can have self-righteousness as long as you don't have the gospel. And so today's equivalent, I suppose, would be this. You would have as the idolatry following Diana, Roman Catholicism with its images and its statues. For the devil worship, you would have spiritism and this revival of interest in uh, witchcraft and the occult. And for the Jewish self-righteousness, you would have churchianity. But nothing is new. Everything continues in different forms, but as long as the truth as it is in Jesus is not known and believed. So Ephesus then was a place sunk in these things. And yet in Ephesus we read in verse 17 the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. What does that mean? How can you make the name of the Lord Jesus Christ bigger than it is? Well, you can't, of course. It's not meaning that. It's meaning that he is uh, seen to be as great as he is. The one who is highly exalted, a name above every name, in all things having the preeminence, the fullness of God that that is seen and that he is esteemed as such. So when people worship him and stand in awe of him, then the name of the Lord Jesus is declaratively magnified. And it reminds us, dear friends, that no place is too bad for Jesus to be glorified. Happened at Ephesus, can happen in the worst of places. And indeed, the worse the place the brighter his name shines. And nothing can tarnish or diminish the name of the Lord Jesus. Let people depart from the truth concerning him as they will. 
Let them blaspheme him as they will. Let the devil rage against him as he will. The name of the Lord Jesus can be magnified because God in his providence can ensure that his name is great before men and the Holy Spirit by his gracious operations in sinners' souls can, can bring sinners to Jesus and he can be magnified in his saving grace. Now, what we need to ask this evening is, how was it done in Ephesus? And how is it done in any bad place? Well, God made the name of his son to be magnified using three agencies. And these three agencies are still used by him today. The first is the devil. In verses 13... To 17, these vagabond Jews, these exorcists, and their attempt to cast the devil out of a man, and how it all was a disaster. But you see, in those times, there was this spike in satanic activity, demon possession, where a devil, or more than one devil, would completely take over a person's life. So that they would be under total control. He would speak through their mouths. He would control their actions. He'd turn a person into an, a hostile, frightening person. Alter the character completely. It of course happened especially when our Lord came into this world and he was incarnated. And so God manifest in the flesh. God doing a great thing. And of course it provokes the devil to try to hit back at this and counteract it and oppose it. And so as Christ came into the world to save sinners, so the devil comes and his demons take possession of multitudes of people to try to uh, ape God. And it's interesting, isn't it? God manifest in the flesh, Christ. Devils manifest in human beings in the flesh. Try to copy, you see. And try to uh, distract from and oppose what God is doing. In the Gospels you have it. Many cases don't you. And here in Acts still you have it. Now the Lord gave the apostles special powers. In Mark 6 we read. <coughs> he gave them power over unclean spirits. And they but had to <coughs> command in the name of Christ. And these devils would come out of people. And they'd be free. People would be free of that thraldom. And doubtless their souls would be saved as well. In Luke 10 and verse 17, after a preaching and ministering tour, the apostles come back to the Lord and they say, <coughs> Lord, even the devils are subject to us in thy name. And it was so with Paul here. Look at this. It's amazing, isn't it? Verse 12. Handkerchiefs, aprons, one of his aprons that he wore when he was doing his tent making. So a handkerchief and an apron from Paul. It was but taken to demon-possessed people and devils would come out of them. The power of Christ, even operating through such objects that belonged to the Apostle Paul. And so it was a tremendous thing and of course 
the purpose of these exorcisms was as a sign to show that the Lord is greater than the devil and that there is a greater triumph over the devil even than exorcism and it's called conversion. Colossians 1 and verse 13. What happens when someone becomes a Christian? Delivered from the power of darkness and translated into the kingdom of God's dear son. And so that tremendous, that's a greater work than even deliverance from the demon possession. Deliverance from the God of this world who blinds those with unbelief and keeps them under his sway. Unbelievers, sinners. Well, demon possession, exorcism, a tremendous sign of what happens when God blesses the gospel to needy souls. Now, some Jewish exorcists tried to copy Paul and cast out a devil using the name of Jesus. And you get this, don't you? You Remember the magicians of Egypt that tried to imitate the miracles of Moses? Plagues, one after the other. Well, these certain vagabond Jews, verse 13, exorcists, took upon them to call over them which had evil spirits, the name of the Lord Jesus, and so on. And of course, it had disastrous results. But look at, look at how it happened. In verse 15, when they tried to do this, when they said, We adjure thee by Jesus, whom Paul preacheth. The devil replied, Jesus, I know. But who are ye? Paul, I know. But who are ye? And you see how that the devil has to confess, Jesus, I know. Remember James's words, thou believest There is one God, thou doest well. The devils believe and tremble. Remember when the Lord Jesus drew near to a demoniac? The devil inside said, I know thee who thou art, thou holy one of God. Hast thou come to torment me before the time? And Jesus, I know. Well, that's giving glory to Christ, isn't it? Even from the mouth of the devil. And the Lord can do that. Not willingly, of course, but made to acknowledge him here. And we're thankful for whatever brings glory to our Saviour. Even in the mouth of the devil, he has glory. And you'll notice the vagabond Jews themselves. We adjure thee by Jesus, whom Paul preacheth. And that's just a name to them, isn't it? using Jesus like a kind of a magic word in the hope that they'll get some spectacular results, some exorcism. Ah, just a name. But ah, there is a name I love to hear. I love to speak its worth. It sounds like music in my ears. The sweetest name on earth. Hear these vagabond Jews, it's just a name. Some kind of charm that they hope will work. It's amazing, isn't it, how unbelievers can use the name of Jesus in any old way. But to us, it's music in our ears. So precious. But even these unbelievers give glory to Jesus by trying to use that name. 
to cast out devils. And then, verse 16, the result of it. How that these were exposed and discredited, these imposters, these pretend exorcists, when the man in whom the evil spirit was leapt on them, these vagabond Jews, these exorcists, and overcame them and prevailed against them so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. What a sight that must have been, mustn't it? For the, this demon-possessed man to leap upon these, how many Jews, Jewish men they were, we don't know. But such is the power of the devil inside a man that he was superhuman like Samson. And he, and he leapt upon these men and he, I don't know what he did, he overcame them. He beat them up, prevailed against them, and they, they had to run away. Uh, he, he pulled their clothes off, and they ran away wounded, glad to get away for their lives. And this was known to all the Jews and Greeks dwelling in Ephesus. Fear fell on them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. See how the devil overreached himself in this. How he ends up giving glory to the Son of God, the last thing he would want to do. But this debacle here, this failed exorcism with disastrous results, it glorifies the name of the Lord Jesus. And you can depend upon it, dear friends, that in our day, when there is an upsurge of Satanism, witchcraft, darkness, occult and so on, God is over it. And God can even by these things give glory to his son. So the devil becomes one of the agents for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but on Halloween evening, especially pray, don't we, that God will work in such a dark, dark time. We have places where, where we live in Hollywell, in the Welsh mountains behind us, where we know there are witches' covens and there are horrible, dark, evil things going on. Sometimes you can feel it. It's an evil place. Along with the Roman Catholicism that gives its name to the town, Holy Well, the Roman Catholic shrine. It's an evil place. It's like Ephesus here, to a great degree. There is the idolatry of the Roman church. There is the devil worship, like at Ephesus. There is the proud self-righteousness of the church in Wales and the liberal denominations but Jesus can be glorified in the midst of all these things. And the devil himself made to serve the name and the praise of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's a remarkable thing that an evangelical church in Hollywell has been maintained for so many years. My wife and I, we've been there for 30 years now, next, next year, it will be 30 years and much to be thankful for and real fruit that God has given in terms of conversions and growth and, and uh, godliness and real things. It's all of the Lord's doing. But in this darkness and evil, the Lord Jesus, I believe, is glorified. He's glorified in the town, in the high street, high street when we preach in the open air. He's glorified when two of our men sit at a table with a sign, free Bibles, and they give away TBS Bibles and diaries and Ben Ramsbottom's children's books to any who will accept them and get into conversation with people. He's glorified 
And so the worse the place, the better the opportunity for him to be glorified. So the devil is one of the agents. Secondly, he was also glorified by the believers. In verses 18 and 19, and many that believed came and confessed and showed their deeds. And many of them which used curious arts brought their books together and burned them and so on. Now here is real grace, you see, true conversions in this place through the preaching of the gospel. And you notice the order that these sinners believed, confessed and showed their deeds and burned those articles that represented their past sinful life. And that's the order, isn't it, of grace. Faith comes first, because by faith, everything is made real and is revealed to us for us to believe. And then comes repentance, a change of mind and heart and life, and we break with sin for good. And what these people did look, how they gave proof that they were truly converted, Christ was their saviour and lord, and they were done with their past life. Many of them, verse 19. And it shows that they did things with those items that they owned and used. They used curious arts. Well, they brought their books together and burned them. Made a bonfire before everybody to see. They counted the price of them. 50,000 pieces of silver, the value of these books and these things to do with the occult and devil worship. But you see, it's more, isn't it, than just stopping doing them. It's getting rid of them. And dear friends, that's what repentance is. Not just stopping doing the sin you did before, but getting rid of everything that belonged to it so that you can't do it again. Works meet for repentance and you always know real repentance by that determination to break with it forever we were in the home of some dear Christian friends uh, parents of who had a daughter who was recently converted and she said to us I'm repeating her word she said you know she um, collected her Stephen King novels and she burnt them in the back garden, made a little fire of them, gone for good. No more Stephen King novels. The Ephesian bonfire. And it will be true for others who have had horoscopes, they'll be burned, got rid of. Certain DVDs and Blu-rays, not fit for a Christian to watch, they'll be got rid of. Porn magazines will be burnt and done with forever. Bottles and cans of alcohol will be thrown away and never bought again. No more tattoos, no more drugs, no more fornication, no more friends, evil friends and their influences. All these things will be at an end. 
A minister friend of mine once told me of a man who was converted in his church. He'd been a builder. Well, he is a builder, was a builder, but when he was converted, he said, Pastor, he said, come and, come and see what was my God. And so he took him through the house and to the back garden and there was a partly finished swimming pool in his back garden. Quite some house, quite some garden. He said, I used to do that on Sundays. Never again. It'll be completed on some other day. The Ephesian bonfire, you see. Gone. Never again. And so the name of the Lord Jesus is magnified by sinners' repentance. And we are new creatures. Old things are passed away. All things become new. And this means, you see, that the Lord Jesus meant more to these people than all their books of spells and the occult and that kind of thing. And 50,000 pieces of silver. But the Lord Jesus is the pearl of great price. Get rid of everything. Because we have him. No wonder the Lord Jesus is magnified. Because he's seen to be more precious than anything else besides. And dear friends, it is a cost. They counted the price. But compared with the unsearchable riches of Christ, what is 50,000 pieces of silver? And you see, that's the power that repentance has. We love our sins so much, we won't part with it. We can't part with it unless God gives us a new heart. It loves us so much, it clings to us like our skin it's part of us. It'll never go from us unless God gives us a new heart. <coughs> That's why repentance is a divine gift. Acts 5 and verse 31. Exalted to give repentance to Israel and the forgiveness of sins. What a mercy it is to have a repentant heart, isn't it? To look back upon what we used to be and used to do and be ashamed of it now. Never again. Now the Lord Jesus is everything to me and he has become the one who is in charge of my life. He is the one whose word governs me. He's the one whom I follow and long to glorify in my life. I say what a power repentance has. And so even if they were tempted to go back, it was all burnt to ashes now and they couldn't go back. That's the best way. To do it. He breaks the power of cancelled sin. He sets the prisoner free. The cancelled sin is the forgiven sin. But there's still the power of remaining sin. But he breaks that and we're free. Pardoned from the guilt of sin and delivered from the power and working of sin so that we're free. And so by the believers, as well as the devil, the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. Never underestimate, dear friends, what you are as a Christian. The very fact that you are what you are by the grace of God. The very fact that you stand for what you stand for by the grace of God. The very fact that you don't do what others do 
not like what others are like. You may hardly be aware of it, but God uses that to glorify his son. <coughs> and any real Christian, well, John chapter 17, verse 10, he says to his father, I am glorified in them, you and me, by the believers. Well, let's look at one further before we conclude. These three agencies by which the Lord Jesus was magnified, the devil, believers, and of course by the gospel. Verse 20, so mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. You see, this word is glorifying, magnifying Jesus because it's all about him, isn't it? The gospel of Christ is the good news of Christ. It's called the word of Christ. And wherever that gospel goes, he is preached, he is made known, and he uses it to draw sinners. He says in John 12, 32, I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. All kinds of men, that is. All who hear to the saving of their souls. And so the written word brings people to the living word, Christ. And he is magnified. And you say, well, what about when there are no conversions? Is Christ still glorified? Well, he is according to Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14. And this has got to be encouraging to us in this day of small things. 2 Corinthians 2 verse 14 this is what Paul writes. Now thanks be unto God, which always causeth us to triumph in Christ and maketh manifest the savour of his knowledge by us in every place. For we are unto God a sweet savour of Christ in them that are saved and in them that perish alike. It's manifesting the fragrance of the knowledge of Christ wherever that gospel goes. The Lord Jesus is magnified and we are unto God. God's Son is magnified for the pleasure of God the Father in them that are saved and in them that perish. To the one we are the saviour of death unto death. To the other the saviour of life unto life. But you see it makes no difference whether people are converted or hardened by the truth. The saviour of Christ. The fragrance of his name. For the father's pleasure. And the knowledge that is spread abroad. And so it's a wonderful thing that the word never returns to God void. It always accomplishes that for which he purposed it. The calling of the elect and the leaving of the non-elect without excuse because they've heard the truth. But Jesus is glorified in both cases. That's what it says here. And so it's by the gospel. And dear friends, we shouldn't get too downhearted when people throw the gospel back at us. 
blaspheme the name of thy of God's dear son and show such hard-heartedness and rejection and so on. The fact that Christ has been made known, his name has been uttered, he's gone forth, it's fragrant, sweet savour to God for his sake, as well as for others' sakes. His name is magnified. And of course, we never know, do we, just who is saved and who is not. Because we've never seen the end of every encounter, have we? Every outcome of the gospel being preached. How often we've heard that certain individuals have gone past an open-air meeting where the gospel is preached or turned into a chapel and heard the word of life. But the one has given the open-air preacher a wide berth The other has gone into the chapel and gone straight out again afterwards. Couldn't get out quick enough. And yet, you hear their testimonies. Oh, I used to be a person. I used to mock open air preachers. And then one day, and the Lord began a work of grace. Perhaps years afterwards. Or someone will say, I used to. You hear the gospel in this chapel and that chapel. I thought it was all a load of rubbish. But then God began a work. I encountered a Christian and he or she witnessed to me. And it was like an arrow to my heart. And what I heard then all came back to me. And the Lord melted me and broke me down under repentance. And I sought the Lord and he drew me. See, these things can happen. And it can happen later. It's interesting, I alluded to that chapter in Isaiah 55 about the uh, rain coming down and the snow from heaven and it returneth not thither, watereth the earth and so on. And so the word will not return unto God void. But I remember, I believe it was uh, Dr. David Allen making this point that where it says there, or was it David Allen or was it? John Brentbell. I can't remember exactly whom. But anyway, he said this in verse 10 of Isaiah 55. The rain comes down and benefits the earth so that things grow. And the snow comes down and does the same. But of course, the snow takes longer, doesn't it? Because the snow has got to melt first before it enters. And so sometimes the word is like the rain, which immediately has the increase and there's growth and things and there's fruit. Sometimes it's like the snow that lies on the surface for a long time before it finally enters and does the work. But either way, it's the gospel that glorifies the Lord Jesus. So what matters is that he is magnified. And so these three agencies, dear friends, God will ensure that his son's name grows great in the eyes of angels, men and devils. He will use the agency of the devil and the powers of darkness. He will use the agency of believers and he will use the agency of the gospel. 
And I suppose this is where we as the Bible League come in because uh, in the 19th century through theological liberalism there was a departure from the rugged truths of the gospel. The inspiration and authority of scripture, the substitutionary atonement of Christ, the literal physical resurrection of Christ from the dead, and the necessity of repentance and faith, the day of judgment, heaven, hell, these great things were being modified and departed from by that generation of Christians at an alarming rate. And Spurgeon and others stood firmly in the van, calling believers to be steadfast to the great truths of the gospel. Because ultimately what was at stake was the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not just a matter of whether you're conservative or liberal, whether you believe the Bible or you don't, whether you believe its doctrines or believe something different. What's at stake, and the devil knows this, and we should know it too, it's the honour and glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I love those words of Bishop Handley Moore, one time Bishop of Durham. And he was at first shaken a little by the downgrade and the um, higher critical movement from Germany and the effects it was having upon the church. But he was kept, and he said something like this. He said, I could not accept this modern thought because if I did so, I would be disloyal to my master, the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's it, isn't it? Loyalty, fidelity, faithfulness to him who loved us and gave himself for us. And so the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified at Ephesus. May it be magnified in every place where our local churches are, throughout the land and throughout the world. May God bless the work of the Bible League to that end as well. Amen. Let us sing together hymn 124. Hail thou once despised Jesus, Hail thou Galilean King, who did suffer to release us, who did free salvation bring. 124.
Spirit be with you all. Amen.